0: Day exam time. You know, we all can relate to taking exams. I'm a teacher myself, and uh, we've had to ta- I've had to take a lot of exams just like you all through my education, but I get to see it every day. If you want to make uh, students squirm and, and get, start sweating bullets, you mention that there's going to be an exam, and you're going to get a Very, very interesting reaction. We all can relate to that. We know the stress of taking exams. We do it from the time we're born. We're under examination in our homes. We're under examination when we go to school. Later, we come under examination day by day when we're in our workplace. We're constantly under examination. And as much as we find all of life's exams to be difficult. We're going to talk about a higher exam today. The Bible reveals to us here in these teachings of Christ that the examination of our soul is the most difficult exam altogether. Well, first of all, the Bible speaks of this examination in Hebrews chapter 9. It says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, after that, comes judgment. Or after that, comes your final examination. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. You can see the underlying part there of what exactly it is, that's going to come under examination. What we're going to be examined on, what is going to be analyzed in you and me and everyone who dies is the motive of your heart. What is your heart condition before God? And we're going to talk about that. The very secrets of our hearts will be exposed. The very dark secrets, secrets that no one even knows but you. Secrets so deep, secrets so secretive that you haven't even shared them with the person closest to you. These secrets are going to be revealed and you're going to be examined for them. Do you think that you would pass that test? Do you think that maybe you're a good person and you're going to be okay You're going to to pass that test. That's part of the examination that we're going to look at today. The first part of the test that we're going to look at is the Ten Commandments. Apologies if you can't read it from there. But these are the Ten Commandments. We find them in Exodus. We find them in Deuteronomy. We find them in a couple of places in the Old Testament. This is the law that God gave Moses to give to the people of Israel. And we see them there. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image... ...or any idols, any statues or stones. That's what we think about at first. But also, we also make graven images. We make images of God in our own mind. Do you realize that if you think of God in a wrong way... ...you have created an image, a false image? So it's important to think of God... And the absolute correct way that the Bible explains. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. Now you think there's only 10 questions on this exam. It can't be that tough probably one of the shortest exams you'd ever taken during your education or your, your whole life. But when you begin to analyze these 10 questions, have you done any of these? Have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you murdered? Have you committed adultery? When you begin to look deeper into them, they become more difficult. Now, do you think that you could pass this test? For instance, number one, have you always put God first in your life? Have you you ever used God's name in vain? One of the biggest uh, uh, things going now, especially on social media, is OMG. OMG. Do you realize that's using God's name in vain? And we do it so callously without even thinking about it. Have you always honored your dad and mom? Never spoke bad to them? Never spoke bad about them? I felt I've, I, I dishonored my parents a lot. Well, the thing is, not only is there an examination, but I want to point out to you who is the examiner today. The Bible says that Christ is the examiner. Why? Why? It says, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. And that is Christ. He is the one who is going to judge the living and the dead, the Bible says. He is the one who is the examiner. And this is really important. Why is Christ the examiner, you might ask? What makes him The examiner. But when we look a little bit closer, who Christ is. It says of Him, For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. This is the examiner. This is Christ. This is His qualification of being the examiner. He is the one who has created all things. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. He is the only one who is worthy of being the examiner. And it's to Him that we have to consider. For Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen? Amen. Now, like I said, we're going to have to sit a final exam, but we're still in the exam now. We're still in the exam now. Let's look what it says. Well, by this time, I'm hoping uh, you'll see that this exam is going to be harder than you think. First of all, let's look at our first exam failure. I'm assuming that you failed. That's how... That's how confident I am of this exam. Commandment number six, thou shalt not murder. And you must be thinking to yourself, I've never murdered anyone. I've never killed anyone. And you, you, you may be thinking that to yourself. But let's look at the words of Jesus. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the courts. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into a fiery hell. You know, Jesus, the examiner, the one who is holy and righteous, the one who created all things, not only has He said, thou shalt not kill, but He has raised the bar even higher. He has said that even if you think in your heart that you hate someone. Even if you think in your heart that you would speak badly about someone, you hate someone so much that you would speak against them. And even if you think in your heart that you would want to put your hands on somebody because you are so angry. Have you ever felt that way? I have. I've been so angry with with someone. The rage kind of consumed me. I was overcome with rage, and all I could think of was putting my hands on that person. Well, do you know that the majority of murders in the world are committed just by that way? Most murders, small percentage of murders are committed by people who have, you know, already thought it out and pre planned and, and, and worked out what they're going to do. No, most murders and killings are take place by people filling their heart filled with rage and they react. That's all it takes. And Jesus is saying that the very thought in your heart is the same as murder. How do you fail? How do you, how do you handle? I believe that's a fail. I'm confident that that's a fail. Commandment number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Again, most of us here would say, well, I've never done that. I've never committed adultery. But again, let's look ...at the words of Christ, the examiner, the one who sets the questions. He says, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her... ...has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This also goes vice versa. If a woman were to look with lust also is adultery. She has committed adultery in her heart. And it's so, so easy today in this world we are bombarded with sexual and sensual images all around us. It's so hard. I guarantee you and I'm confident that this is a fail. This is a fail. This is a fail. Jesus has said that you will be judged the very secrets of your heart. I don't care how you have presented yourself to everyone. You can come, I've I've taken a shower, I've shaved today, I've put on my Sunday clothes, I've come to church to try to put on my best image to you. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter because if you could see the sin that has been in my heart, you would be shocked. And I know the truth is the same for you. You can dress it up as much as you like. You can present yourself as good and as decent as you like. But the fact remains that when the light is shined on the truths, the deep parts of your heart, the secrets of your heart, you would not pass the test. Commandment number nine. Now, some of you may think, okay, I've passed these things, but let's let's look at this one. Thou shalt not lie. Some of you may say to yourself, I've never committed adultery, i never murdered, but this is a guaranteed fail for everyone. Thou shalt not lie. Jesus says in Revelations chapter 21, but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death which is the second death. Liars. It doesn't matter how, how, what lie you've told. You may think, oh, I've just told little white lies. They're not really important. They're not really major things. I haven't lied to the government. I haven't lied to, to anyone in that way. I haven't spent any time in jail or prison for lying. So it's not that bad. I've only ever told one lie you might say to yourself. But if you ask that question to the murderer and he says, well, I've only ever murdered one person, what does that make him? A murderer. If you only ever tell one lie, what does that make you? A liar. And Jesus' Jesus's answer is clear that all liars will have their place in the lake of fire. Now, by this time, my hope is that you will be feeling, you have come to a place where you have accepted that you failed this test. I hope that everyone here has accepted by now. I hope I've convinced you that you have failed this test. And I hope my desire is that some of you will be feeling a very strong sense of hopelessness because you may be saying to yourself, I can't pass this test. Who can pass this test? It's impossible to pass this test. And you might, I hope, be feeling somewhat hopeless, faced with these facts. However, let's look at what Jesus says in verse 17. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. But to fulfill. What did Jesus mean by He came? To fulfill the law. Well, have you ever been in a, facing an exam or facing a test and you just know that there's no way you're going to pass this test? There's no way. You haven't studied properly for it or even if you did, you're, you're just very weak in the subject and you know you're going to fail. And it crossed your mind. You think, well, maybe the teacher might, might help me. Or if I could just have someone to take this test for me, that would be a great thing. If someone could take this test on my behalf. Somebody who knows it. You know, like Johnny, he's the smartest kid in the class. Maybe if he could take this test for me, I would, I would pass. But there is, there is someone who has taken the test. Jesus says he has not come to abolish the law. He hasn't come to put it aside and say, don't worry. You don't have to pass that test. He hasn't said that. He hasn't said the law's no good. You know, don't worry. We're putting that aside. It didn't work. Didn't save anyone. So we're going with something else. No, he hasn't come to abolish it and to rubbish it and to set it aside. But he says, I have come to fulfill it. What does he he mean? What does he mean? Well, first of all, I want to look at, this is where our hope and our strength and our ability and our goodness, we can't rely upon it. Let's look at the purpose of the test. The purpose of the test, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans, he says, what shall I say then? Is the law sin? Is the law wrong? Was it, was it nullified? Is it rubbish?" May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, You shall not covet. You see, we wouldn't even know that we were sinning. We wouldn't know that we had offended God and sinned against God if we hadn't read in His Word, Thou shalt not steal, Thou shalt not murder, Thou shalt not commit adultery. We wouldn't know that we had actually committed murder and adultery if we didn't read in the Word of God where Jesus says that even if you think these things in your heart, you are guilty. We wouldn't know that. That is the purpose of the law, is to reveal to you and to reveal to me that we are guilty before God. That is the purpose of the law. And Jesus says he hasn't come to put it aside because it has a purpose. It has a meaning. And that's why he hasn't put it aside. Because the purpose is to show you and to show me that we are sinners. That we are sinners. That we have broken God's law. That we have no hope in us. That with all of our best, you put all of our best together. There's a lot of us here today. You put all the good things about us together and just make it all about that, it still would not be enough to pass the test. Still would not be enough to pass the test. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus passed the test. There is someone who can take the test for you. Don't look to your right or to your left or to Johnny, the smartest guy in the class, or to the pastor. Pastor who might seem like the the holiest person or the, the person closest to God. Don't even look to Him because He's a man just like you. But the Bible says there is one that we can look to. The Bible says of Jesus, you know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sins, as we sang this morning who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. So Jesus was not a liar like you and I. Never lied. Never murdered. Never committed adultery. He passed every one of the test commandments. Every one of the requirements. Jesus was absolutely perfect and holy and righteous and true. No sin was found in him. No deceit was in his heart or on his lips. That's what makes him the perfect sacrifice. This is, you want to know the answer to the exam questions? Here's the answer to the exam questions. We find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 4. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. My friends... Brothers and sisters, my plea to you today is don't put your hope in yourself. Don't put your hope in your own goodness. Don't put your hope in your own ability. Don't put your hope in anything that you could do. I'm telling you, you could forfeit the rest of your life. You could stop work. You could go to uh, some third world country and begin to serve and begin to pay and to begin to help. Poor people, it will not save you. It will not save you. Because you're already guilty. Imagine a a guilty person standing before a judge. He's guilty of murder, of rape. And he says to the judge, Judge, I promise never to do that again. And not only that, I'll go to a country. And I'll serve people and help them. And I'll do the best for the rest of my life. Do you think the judge would let him off? No. No. The judge still has to punish him for what he's done. And that is the same thing for you and I. We've already been proven guilty. So there's no point of thinking I can make this right. If I just do this or if I just do that, that will show God that I'm a good person and I can make it right. The Bible says that you can't. That you and I failed the test a long time ago. The only hope, and this is what I give to you today... I hope that you were hopeless, but now I want to give you hope. Your hope is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who was and is sinless. He is the only one who was was able to die for your sins. He took the test for you. He passed the test, and then he committed himself to the cross that he might take your punishment. He didn't just pass the test and say, that's it. No, because it was important that your punishment had to be paid as well. And he also went to the cross and took your punishment, and my punishment, and he paid it all in his blood. Not only that, he also rose on the third day. He conquered death. He conquered Satan. He conquered death. And His promise to you and to everyone who comes to Him and, 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 and receives Him and, 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 and takes Him and places their trust, trust and their faith in Him that He is the one to trust. He promises you eternal life because He has risen from the dead and He promises you that as well. Friends, brothers and sisters, I plead with you today, I beg you. Take your eyes off of yourself. Life is too short. The Bible says that this life that we live here on earth is as a vapor. A vapor. It's here and it's gone. Don't put your trust in yourself. Place your trust in the one who has died in your place. Place yourself in the one who is the creator of heaven and earth. Place your trust in the one who loves you, died for you, and passed the test on your behalf. Place all your faith and all your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.